I'm AJ. And I'm Taylor. And you're listening to another episode of the Merry Money Podcast. Marriage is hard. Money doesn't have to be. Welcome back. Welcome back. Here we are. Episode three. Yeah. And this is a good one. Um, Mm -hmm. This is something that we get asked a lot. And you know what? Um, We, if you don't know this, have five kids. So a lot of our take and experience around finance is that of being a parent and parenting financially sound children um, to be, you know, financially fit adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bringing them up at age-appropriate education levels, um, teaching them step-by-step and just making sure that as they progress through life and they get into elementary and then they get from elementary to junior high and then junior high to high school and just shipping them off in the best possible mindset to manage their money efficiently. Well, there is something that can be done at every single stage. However, if you're tuning in and you're just starting, it's really, you're not too late, right? We want to stress that. Yeah, you can start by counting quarters with your toddler. Like you, you can, you Mm -hmm. can. And that's not, you know, going to be unhelpful to you in the long Mm -hmm. run. But if you're sitting there like, oh gosh, I have a 17 year old. I promise you that whatever you're going to cram into this year and or, you know, not all children leave at 18 out of five. I guess we probably (laughs) won't have all five leave at 18, but whatever you can get in, get it in now and your child will thank you. So I think that really what this comes down to is where do you start? Especially when you've got a kid who's entering into that teenhood and you're, you're as a parent trying to start them off on the right foot with that education level, um, getting them their own bank account, checking savings and teaching them how to organize it, yeah. how to read a bank statement. Mm-hmm. But all this starts first off with can you read a bank statement? Challenge Can you stay organized? (laughs) Yep. Do you have a budget? We'll get into all of that. Um, What is it good then, you know, assuming that your teenager has a source of income, which, you know, obviously that's a personal topic between you and all of your children, but what a tremendous asset job and work experience is and especially experience Mm -hmm. handling assets like money prior to leaving your home so from from the point of our podcast today it's going to be assuming Mm -hmm. that your child has or has had a job doing something to Mm -hmm. earn money and so if they do go and open up that checking and savings what what then well i think something that we should probably do is replace the word income with inflow right sometimes it's grandma and grandpa give johnny or susie a 500 dollars check at christmas and a 500 dollars check at their birthday and just because it's tuesday uh other times kids go to work maybe maybe your kids don't necessarily have a w-2 job where they're paying taxes um out of a paycheck but maybe they're mowing the neighborhood lawns uh, or babysitting or even further, and this is a touchy subject, but maybe you've structured your family around allowances 
uh, all of those different things are inflows. Mm -hmm. So I think instead of income, we should shift our mindset to do the kids have inflow of money? And so with that inflow, what should they do with it, right? So obviously you deposit it in the bank account so they can see and track what's going on, what they're spending money on, read the statement, uh, separate out from their paycheck somewhere around 20%. Um, This is really subject to each individual kid and what your goals for them are. It's ebbs and flows, right? You could say 10, you could say 25. Um, Another big topic for you to talk about with your kids when you're talking about this savings percentage is generosity, uh, charitable giving, tithing, anything along those lines. That's the time for this topic to come up to have that serious talk. Well, and you know, if that is by rights something important to you, that is probably something that they have seen you do. And so Mm -hmm. it would then naturally come easier to them to think, well, let's see what to do with generosity first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even further, I mean, if you wanted to push that percentage up, you could because let's be real right now, the kids that are 13, 14, all the way up to even 20 at this point, they're at an extremely low expense stage of their life. Yeah, it's not going to get much lower. Yeah. It's only going to go up. (laughs) You're right. They've got a lot of inflow, but not a lot of outflow, right? That's the transactions that you see on the bank statement that are going out of the account. The other topic inside of the bank account stuff that they really need to know and, and, and be able to have a basic understanding of is who's their contact, right? Who can they reach out to to give them guidance on how to structure their bank account or to use their bank account or to use when they get the overdraft fee yeah or when they get that inevitable overdraft fee because that's how our banking system works nowadays and their kids um they need to they need to know who their go-to contact is they need to have that phone number for a person not a call center to be able to call them up and say hey jack uh i screwed up and i bought too much Quiznos or whatever. It, it, and or then even can, just knowing how to work their app. Just yeah. knowing how to make money go from one account to the other, if possible. Or how to use that to pay their bills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a big factor. And that's a big one that a lot of people have talked about and asked us questions on. Yeah, for sure. When you speak on bills, I think you bring up a really good point. Because something that is incredibly undervalued is giving your teenager a bill. And oh my gosh, if you all just cringed, (laughs) A, because you don't like the thought of that, or that means your kid is growing up, or you just know your teenager, (laughs) maybe that's really intimidating for you. It's so important. And, And there's this, there comes this point in time where when we shield our kids from too much, we are potentially harming them down the road. And this can be one of those areas where we can gracefully and slowly shed some light on what it looks like to pay a bill. Why? Because they're going to pay bills for the rest of their life. So by rights, by the time your child leaves your home, you need to have some sort of plan for a reoccurring bill that is paid by them. This is something that they need to be able to log on to their app or, you know, however it is that you've set it up and pay a monthly, quarterly, biannual bill without any assistance. This does not mean that you can't remind your child 
Because if we're being honest, if we want to get into the nitty gritty, their frontal cortex is not fully formed. It's not going to be until they're in their mid-20s. A kind reminder is not only gracious, but important. And so we, we you know, it's it's not sink or swim, fly or fall all the time, right? But, but either way, you know, something my parents did, um, I paid for my gas, which isn't a bill, but we'll get to that later. And my bill that I was charged with paying from the day I turned 16 and I was old enough to drive was my car insurance. Hmm. And they paid that twice a year. And they sat down and they said, Hey, Taylor, here is the bill. Here is what it costs. Either each month you give us this or at six months you give us this and you bet. I said, well, I'll see you in six months. (laughs) I'll give you that in six months. Well, guess what happened? Sometimes I came up short and they debted me. Like, I actually did not know this. You didn't know this. No. I did. They, I came up short. And not only did they debt me for it, they took it for my next paycheck. And they said, okay, well, then no, you can't. And, and they were well enough aware of my social life to know things like, oh, wow, you, you are going to go to your, you know, the movies with your friends tonight? Great. You still owe me this much money. So mm. let's pay for that first. And oh, my gosh, teenage Taylor cringed and died but that was a really big foundational moment for me. We might need to call your parents to figure out if we still have a bill that we owe them. Oh, yeah, and we might. <laughs> but um, some examples of these kind of age-appropriate bills, you know, a lot of uh, parents these days have their children pay their own portion of the monthly phone bill. Maybe that is some streaming services that they want. If you don't use it and your kid's the only one that uses it, boom, great, great bill for them to cover. It's typically not giant, But it's something to be responsible for. And guess what? The key here is that it's okay to fall and they kind of need to. Once they leave your home, they're going to be responsible for so many more bills. And they kind of might need the experience of what forgetting to pay that bill looks like in Mm -hmm. order for that to stay and remain impactful for the future. If they never have that experience and then they're thrust into the world of bills, Mm -hmm. they might not understand its importance. And what forgetting to pay a bill can look like. Well, I mean, even further than that, if we are responsible for paying our household bills, Mm -hmm. then by rights, if we're doing what we're supposed to, we should have no problem showing our kids what we're doing and using ourselves as an example to teach them, right? Absolutely. And so being able to turn the computer screen around, I know it's hard. But being able to turn the computer screen around and saying, here's my bank statement, and this is how we do this. Mm-hmm. Take a look. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be really impactful for little Johnny or little Susie. <laughs> the names um, that you're I know, choosing I just, here. <laughs> they just come to me. But, I mean, you bring a really good point. You should be confident enough mm-hmm. in your personal finances to be able to sit and share a screen with your child. And here's the really hard one. If there's anything in those transactions that you don't want your kids to see, should you really be doing it? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is a really big, maybe generational gap in difference here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of parents that, we're we're in this weird transition where um, we experienced the, as millennials, we experienced this level of, we don't share our finances. And that's 
we've seen that many different times among millennials talking about their parents and how they learned about money. Mm-hmm. And this is a moment where we can really break that barrier and begin to educate by example instead of do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because being hush-hush, it leads to shame and the inability for the kids to learn really is all it comes down to is they don't, they have to learn on their own and yeah. it's a harder fall. Yeah. It's a further fall when they have to learn at 24, 25, 26, like yeah. many of us have probably experienced. Oh, absolutely. I think that especially when you're talking about, I like the way that you put, you know, you're, you're kind of leading by example. And if I know anything to be true from having been a teenager myself into <laughs> You know, when we're here and we're going to be raising teenagers, it's, they like that a lot more. They Mm -hmm. are not afraid to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. They are not afraid to call you out. They are not afraid to do all of those things and power to them, but they want to see you practice what you preach. And they are much more likely to learn from you when you are transparent with them. And so guess what? If you have a month where you weigh it out enough to basically be a mortgage, we can't be ashamed to show that to our children. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a part of life because they want to. They need to be able to sit down and say things like, my parents did it this way, I'm going to do it that way. We also have to learn to not take offense to that. That Correct. is so important. That is such an important step for our children. They are the connoisseur of their childhood. They are the ones who get to sit down and say if it was good or not good. We don't get to sit down and say, I think your childhood was good. And they should be able to sit down and gather and put together, you know, when my parents did this, I want to do better. And that's kind of what makes them better. And this is such a beautiful area to sit down and show your children how you're making mistakes sometimes maybe. Mm -hmm how you're rocking sometimes, you know, there's this big hush hush about, we don't want to talk about how much money we have. We don't want to talk about how much our house is. Why? Why? Why would you be afraid of your children knowing your financial situation unless it comes from a place of maybe potential money, shame, and trauma from your upbringing? It almost seems like this would be and present a perfect opportunity to grow. Yep. I think that um, the one the one last thing to hit on this topic before we're going to actually shift into um, kids learning a different life skill that involves money but isn't directly related to money. Uh, the one last thing to touch on that is you're not necessarily opening up the retirement account for them to see everything under the sun, right? Sure. We're talking about the operational household. This is what we're doing to make our house operate. Your checking and our savings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there still is a level of age-appropriate teaching that actually translates further into adulthood uh, when it comes to finances with that lifetime long-term planning approach. But uh, Taylor, actually, she she and I were talking the other day about life skills for the kids and what they need to learn in order to thrive and how that involves money and i think cooking is really important gosh your children by the time they leave 
and this sounds like it's not related to money at all, but stick with me. They need to be in charge of one meal, let's say a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have really busy teenagers. A lot of times you have really busy teenagers. It might not be once a week, maybe once every other week, mm-hmm. maybe on the weekends, maybe once a month. Your teenager needs to be in charge of a meal. And that has a lot to do with finances. It has to do with finances because what we can do as a parent, and this is something we can do. You can do this. This doesn't even have to be a teenager. You can start this way before. Like I have a nine-year-old. This would mm-hmm. be fantastic for him and something that he would love to do is we need to just sit down. You give them a budget. This is important. Do not make your teenager pay to feed your family. That is not their responsibility. This is your money that you're going to budget. You're going to give them say, Hey, here is X amount of dollars. You're, you know, Tuesday's your night, whatever that is, because what they need to be able to do is log on and either order food delivery or do a pickup or just go to the store by themselves in their car that they probably have. Uh, maybe, I mean, I guess it depends, but, um, get to the store and source these, um, meal. I mean, that's going to take a lot of prep. They're going to have to, um, pick out what they want make sure that they are accounting for how many people are in the family. They're going to have to write down all of the different ingredients and things like that. Take it to the store, fit it in the budget, come home, cook it, serve it for dinner. First of all, woohoo, as parents, you are (laughs) responsible for one last night, right? But why is this so important? A, You're obviously teaching your child the cost of food. The cost of food is rising exponentially. It is one of the fastest growing Mm -hmm. items in inflation that we see today. And so they're learning what it costs by rights. They're probably already eating out with their friends and using their money for that. So they can kind of on their own compare and contrast. Hey, here's what it's like. You know, here are the differences. But a kid or a teenager in this instance who cannot cook will spend so much money in the next decade of their life making up for that mm-hmm. because they can't cook, because they lacked basic foundational understanding of how to make a meal and it becomes 10,000 times easier just to go get it. And it's so much more expensive. There really is, especially if they're just cooking for themselves for the next couple of years, if they're in college, or if it's just them and their future spouse for a while or whatever that mm-hmm. is, if, if they can't cook, you bet they're going to see that impact their financial life because they're going to have no choice but to go out and get things. And, you know, even further, that's going to impact their health. That's going to impact all of these other things that we know aren't, you know, the best for them. And so it is incredibly important that at whatever age you feel you can do this. I mean, obviously with younger children, you're going to have to go to the store. You're going to have to sit down with them and look through, and they're going to need a little bit more help crunching the numbers. But even starting this from as young as you feel is appropriate and making this a a really normal part of their lives, they're a lot less likely to give you flack for it later, but they will pay. They will pay for not knowing how to cook. They will pay for that. That is a giant expense. When you really boil it down, a giant expense for teenagers and young adults is eating out and Mm -hmm. we can try and they're they're gonna still eat out and and that's fine we don't need to you know demonize that but we can give them and equip them with the tools and the things that they need to make better choices if we can well 
The other thing that with cooking, there's that age-old question when you're in the middle of math class in high school. You say, why the heck do I need this? What am I going to use this for? <laughs> yeah. Well, try tripling a recipe. And you realize, oh, that's some of why I needed math. Oh, yeah. Um, or chemistry or whatever. So it gives them real-life application to the school that they're learning also. Absolutely. Um, all right. So that's a life skill. Another not necessarily life skill, but what we believe is a life necessity at this age is credit. Um, Ooh, that's a hard one. We lost people. I know we did. We did. Now we're not, we're not talking to someone who has enough assets to cover all their expenses and their home purchase without borrowing money. That's becoming less and less people in the well, world. Well, your we teenager live in. is not someone with assets. No. So. <laughs> no. Um, so credit's going to be important for them. And the big question is, is how do they get credit starting out? And how do we prevent them and, from tanking it? Mm-hmm. How do we prevent a teenager from making poor decisions? Well, sometimes you can't. But we can put up good stops to make sure that they run into a couple of brick walls before they make those poor decisions and starting out if you have a credit card yourself or you and your spouse have a credit card then you could add them as an authorized user to the card this means that they would be sent a card with their name on it and that card would then report to their credit report now does it mean you have to give them that card No, it doesn't mean that you actually have to give them the plastic that they can go rack up your credit card. Mm -hmm. Um, On the flip side, if you have a problem with spending and you foolishly rack up your credit card, it will hurt their credit. It will hurt their credit just like it hurts yours. Sometimes I think that there is magic in low balance cards. And if you can, there are so many cards out there today, especially even geared towards things like this. There's so many options. Um, but having a card with a very low balance, mm-hmm. which, you know, it sounds silly, but a thousand dollars is a pretty low balance for a credit card and do give them that card. And then they're required to pay. There's your bill. <laughs> but again, like I said, reminders are kind they're going to need help, right? We're not all about the, we're going to push you off the edge of a cliff and hope that you fly, but a low balance card that you do feel that they can have access to. Cause sometimes you and your spouse's card that you add them as an authorized user to has a $20,000 limit or a $30,000 limit. And so you probably wouldn't want them to have that card by rights, right? Hopefully that 30,000 isn't close to being maxed out. (laughs) I pray that's not the case. Um, no, I, I think you're right on point, Taylor. I think personally, and maybe this is just a difference of opinion, I would prefer if a teenager did have a card in their hands, I'd prefer it be closer to that $500 limit. Yeah. Um, because $1,000 to a teenager is so much money. Is a lot of money. Um, more than what they're used to. Well, and probably more than what they can pay off in a month. Exactly. More than what they can pay off in probably six months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, especially if they're the one mowing the lawns in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that you know that we aren't sitting here just lobbing advice out to you. A lot of, especially today's episode, comes from personal experience. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, love my parents and... They did amazing things, but you know, they were worked very hard over the course of their life because their primary goal 
was to make sure that their kids, me and my brother, had no debt to our name, had no access, had no ability, had no debt. They paid for my school. That's, that's huge. That is, that is something that they worked forever to pay for. But something else that they worked very hard for was making sure that under no circumstances did I have access to credit, did anything. And guess what? I, life, AJ and I, we had a baby. We needed to get our car upgraded a little bit. And we went and, I mean, we got, you remember the Buick? The good old rendezvous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got that. Um, and there was, I mean, what? Maybe 3000 of financing for that car. And I couldn't get it. And I couldn't get it. And I had to rely completely on you. And they didn't realize, even like, I, 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 there's so many well, things as a young adult that I needed access to. The only reason we were able to is because I had worked at the bank and I was able to get credit built because I'd worked at the bank. Yes. And so they realized very quickly that, oh my gosh, Taylor has no credit. And listen, they, they were trying to do, I think, what was best and what they thought was best. And guess what? I didn't have a terrible credit score, but I really, even though you don't have a bad score, I had no credit history and your credit age and your history and your usage matter. And just because you don't have a low credit score doesn't mean that you're gonna get a you're gonna be able to apply for anything. And so pros and cons, like no, your child who is turns 18, they're thrust into a world of credit immediately, which is poor and sad in many areas all on its own, right? Just mm-hmm. being constantly bombarded for things like credit cards or student it's- loans and all of the things. They can go buy a car now. They can do all of this stuff that they maybe shouldn't do. But at the same time, I suffered from that setback for years and years. It was what, six years into our relationship? No, um, five, five or six years into our relationship. It was five. Before I applied for anything that I needed and got it on my own. Yep. And I did so by becoming the authorized user on AJ's cards. And so we did this. We used this. This helped. Uh, We had to be incredibly diligent and incredibly responsible. And something else that you can do, I think, too, to help your child is freeze their credit. Mm -hmm. People don't know that you can freeze your child's credit. And it doesn't sound, I think, like what you may think it sounds like. It just means that they can't go run a credit application. Uh, without unfreezing their credit. Uh, It also helps to not leave them vulnerable to credit predators, right? People who are going to try to assume their identity and harm their credit. Um, Mm. You can freeze your child's credit now. You can freeze your child's credit shortly after birth. Once you get a social security (laughs) number. You can freeze your child's credit for life and that helps protect them. Um, But it also helps protect your teenager because they can't impulsively go with a friend to a car lot and look at a car. I mean, mm-hmm. they, you, you need good, they, they run your credit for things like your own phone line and applications mm-hmm. for financing at a store to go get a phone. I mean, it's, it's ingrained in more than you think. And I think there's also a part of this that it would be so amazing and so wonderful. And I think the goal of living in cash in cash only for major things that doesn't not need to be your goal but we also need to be realistic with the age of your child and the life that they're mm-hmm. going to have and it would be by rights a while before that's something that they can do 
that's something most people can't do for a very long time. Well, the, the, the big thing we need to remember with this is teenagers, until they turn 18, they're not going to be able to go get financing for something without a parent or guardian signature. Um, unless they're unless they're emancipated at either 16 or 17 depending on the state that they live in um, they're, they're not going to be able to get financing on their own without a co-signer so freezing their credit and talking through that with them and talking through all of these things with them only lays a foundation for them to have understanding once they are on their own yeah and if we really get down to the brass tacks the way our school system is designed is, when they're a senior in May of this year, all the seniors still have to ask to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And then when they graduate in June, good luck. You're on your own, buddy. That's well, it. And go and apply for all of these loans and find yourself in mm-hmm. all of this debt. And that's where credit becomes baggage. It becomes weight. It yep. becomes hard. And so having these conversations with your child and creating healthy credit, um, healthy credit mindset, healthy credit practice. Expectations maybe is a good word. Yeah. I mean, this is vital. And if you are someone who credit makes you cringe and you would love to cut up your cards and you would love to see that and never do that again, you're probably not 18. And if we were just to sit down and look at it, we would have to, I mean, unless you are in quite a position of life to be able to supply that cash for your child, I mean, your child is not going to be 18 and just have access to that. And credit might be a very necessary and very difficult part of their journey if they don't know how to do it right. Yep. Life brings waves. And sometimes those waves require financing. Yeah. I think that the the next and last topic that teenagers really need to know hmm. is paying Uncle Sam. How to do your taxes. This is a major oversight in school Mm -hmm. major and you know what it's not that teachers and districts and educators in general don't want to be able to teach this I think a lot of it is they just may not have the right resources and time I mean think about how much other stuff you could in theory make it an elective but I would love to I would love to see what teenage kids gonna say I'm gonna do my tax elective I'm gonna learn about the IRS no thanks I won't do ceramics I'll do tax. Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, that'll yeah. be great for me. But, but this is, you know, people make fun of this all the time. Oh, okay, that's great. Why, why did I learn all about the parallelogram, but I didn't learn about how to do my taxes? It is that important. It is so important. Let your kid watch you piddle around on ter- TurboTax. You got to do it. Well, I hope you're doing it. You're supposed to be doing it. And it's so important because they're going to have to do it someday. And, and chances are they're going to be a dependent of yours for a while. Um, but either way, they should watch you. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe your family that uses a CPA or an enrolled agent or a tax professional and they file your taxes for you and you have that annual meeting with the tax guy where you sit down and you talk to him. Great. Let the kids join. And even further, if you've got a financial advisor, great. Ask him to let the kids join in a yeah. meeting at some point. Something else, too, in regards to your taxes is uh, you can teach your kids about tax credits. It's great if they can fill out their taxes, but if they don't know the credits that are available to them, they're going to end up 
potentially paying more than they had to. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many that it's going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to cram all of that into your teenager's head, but at least just showing them that, you know, provides them the opportunity to come back and ask for your wisdom later when they hit their first year. I mean, they kind of need to know how to make sure they're taking out enough, but also not too much. If you get a big tax bill back at the end of the year, then you didn't pay enough. But at the same time, if you get this giant refund, you probably overpaid. And maybe, maybe to some people, depends on your your personal budgeting skill, maybe you needed that more each month instead of once a year at tax season. And so even just teaching your children how to lay it out um, can be a giant asset to them. And they might not need to do that immediately or right away at 18. Yeah, there's a saying, there's a saying that this the podcaster in the financial advising industry says it's there's no reason for you to tip Uncle Sam. And I think that the sooner our kids learn that, that they just need to pay the taxes that they owe and nothing more. I know it's exciting to get that big refund check. Just means you um, overpaid. Just means you overpaid throughout the year and that money was held by the government for 12 months or six months or whatever it was. Um I think the, the more we can be on point with how much we owe and nothing more, nothing less, uh, I think that really will be impactful for the kids long term. Well, I believe there is so much more to just this episode. I bet before long we'll see multiple parts to this because, my gosh, there is so much. And hopefully it doesn't overwhelm you, but rather it empowers you just to know that these are conversations that you can have. A lot of people just need to know that. Yep. A lot of people just need to know, you know what, it's appropriate. And it's you're not appropriate the only, to do this. Yeah, and you're not the only family that needs to have them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our children, what is the goal? Our goal is to get them off right and well, and doing that financially is yep. a giant blessing. Love them equally, treat them uniquely. If this is something that you find great wisdom in, like, share this with friends, follow along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, RSS. This is what keeps us on the air. Yep. This is one of our favorite things to do. As you all know it, we would love to sit here and keep talking. Absolutely. But like you heard earlier, we've got five kids we've got to get back to. (laughs) So another day, another episode. I'm Taylor. I'm AJ. And this is the Married Money Podcast. See ya. See ya.